It's the audio podcast. It's number 97. Tis the season to be. I'm Scott Hewitt. This week on the audio podcast, as always, I am joined by... Samuel Freeman. I'm back in my cupboard. Hello. And 180 degrees, rotated from last week, Adam Yanch. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Hello, Adam. Hello, Sam. Great of you to be here. And for those people who had ceased to believe the audio podcast could ever turn up two weeks in a row, we are indeed here. <laughs> Second week in a row. However, this is nominally the end of our the end of 2013 for us. I think uh, based on the fact that we struggle to get organised enough on typical weeks, the idea that we're going to manage to do it on Christmas, the weeks before Christmas is basically zero. I have a festive Santa who seems a little bit worse for wear and lying on the side of a sex phone. Sam Freeman, you have some delightful Christmas lights. I do. I have like multicolored LEDs. I, I've, I've decided to leave them on stationary rather than blinking on and off because that would distract me, never mind anyone else. And uh, I have, see back here, I have a hatch ready to receive Santa on the correct day. So, wow. uh, so there we go. Um, we've got some interesting stories this week we're going to you know go through the news we're going to go through the plunder and in our other section we do have a little roundup of this year's some of this year's stories what we thought were significant stories or ones that we enjoyed or that kind of thing so i think we should probably get started uh, but before we do that who wants to do the uh, the get in contact with us part of the show if you want to get in contact with us, it's really easy. You can find all of the show notes that this show's recorded from at theaudiopodcast.co.uk slash show slash 97. On there, it has all the details, but you can find us on Google+, Plus, where you also get notifications when we start recording live in the Hangout. You can uh, tweet, us, uh, tweet us if you want to, at the audio podcast, And there's also email as well, and the Facebook page, and all that good stuff. Woo! And the oh, oh, oh. first item in the news this week, short news section this week, is um, that Audiobus 2 has been announced, not released, but announced. Um, yeah, this is pretty cool. We wondered when, I guess it was this year, when the new iOS was announced and it talked about the inter-app audio possibilities. We speculated on the future of Audiobus in that context, and this is their answer to it. Mm. Anyone had a chance to have a look at this? Um, I haven't had a chance, but it it does look cool. I'm saying they've they're, they're really they're taking all the cool things about OSX on audio on like all all the cool audio things on OSX and then pulling it across an iOS, which which is really nice. I like and I wonder if also it's taking more advantage of the 64-bit idness of iOS 7, which is why because the big headline feature is that you can do multiple independent pipelines with as many filters, uh, inputs, and outputs as you like in each. So I think that's basically saying that the the operating system allows for that to happen. But there still might be limitations like the amount of RAM that your device has. But it's now become hardware like limitation. The limitation is now what can your device handle rather than what will the software allow you to do in terms of Audiobus 2. And Audiobus 2 will be an upgrade, so if you already have Audiobus, you can um, purchase the the fix, the update in app. So, yeah, that's pretty cool for people who already own it. It's not, you don't have to go out and buy a new one. Excellent. Awesome stuff. Cool. 
So that's due early 2014. And there is a teaser YouTube video which can, you know, kind of tells you what it's going to do. So I thought it was kind of nice. You know, there you go. So, and uh, and uh, I, either we've missed the last 10 minutes or we're already at the end of the news and we've only got one left to do. I think so, that's uh, actually the case. Um, yeah, this is something that I spoke. This is um, I've 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 said second-hand guitar sold at auction. I thought this would be just a little thing to add on to the end of the news section, expecting lots of things to be added. But hey, this is from last Saturday, um, Friday now. And um, did either of you guys see this? Do you want us to talk about it, or shall I carry on? Well, I've had a, I've had a quick look at it, and and basically, one of Bob Dylan's electric guitars has sold for the largest amount a guitar has sold for in auction um, and, and and I mean that's basically it that is it yeah there's not much more to it than that nicely summarized Adam <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think whoever wrote the post on the website basically summarized it for me uh, it's a bit crazy though I mean what is that Nine hundred, five hundred ninety thousand pounds for an electric guitar that you won't play because you've spent six hundred thousand pounds <laughs> on a guitar, and I, I, I don't go in for this kind of collecting stuff because a particular per it was a particular person's and that person is very famous. I'm just not interested in it at all. If you can't use the thing, then it's kind of useless for me. So. I think whoever bought that is mad. I agree. We should perhaps mention that it's the guitar that he played at the um, infamous thingy. <laughs> my brain. The Newport Folk Festival gig, where there was the first public show that he let Bob Dylan play electric as opposed to acoustic, which is kind of rightly so or not etched into music folklore. Well, you know, it's. A to me, that's irrelevant as well because electric guitar music was already established. It wasn't like it was just one guy who was acoustic playing electric. But you know, hindsight, blah blah blah. I wasn't there. I no, I agree completely. <laughs> I'm just kind of trying, trying on, to be on like balanced on that. <laughs> on, on the bombshell that somebody played an electric guitar in a concert, we will put See, it in the final news section. Of 2013 to a close. That is how I would have written the the article at home. <laughs> Man plays electric guitar at festival. Let Let's move into the uh, <laughs> let, Let's move into the uh, originally named other section. Um, first of all, Adam, I understand that you don't understand why record companies don't offer high quality downloads. I I just don't get this. Okay, so let me let me give you a little background here. Uh, I. I I subscribe to a couple of audio blogs and so I go through the music if I like what I hear I'll save it in my delicious account and then at some point in the future I'll go back through the links decide if I really do like it and then try and find out if you know if the albums good if the albums good I'll try and buy the album a lot of times in this process I've come across releases which are either there there are various different things so the one I came across today was Lawrence English's uh, release called Lonely Women's Club which is a kind of ambient kind of thing and having a look online I thought I really like the sound of this I'd like to get that it's only available or it was only available as an LP release 
and it was released this year. So LP release only. So the problem I have is I don't have an LP player and there isn't any other option. So how does someone who doesn't have an LP player buy this thing legitimately? You know, if, if I don't have an option and I still want the thing, why don't I just go and find a, you know, just download it illegally? Because it, I can't get it in a, in a convenient way. Um, other record companies kind of do a slightly different thing where maybe the, the tune that I've heard is like uh, an album-only thing and you have to buy a whole album just to get the one thing and you can't buy it separately, you can't get it on iTunes and I wouldn't buy it on iTunes anyway because I, 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 don't, I, I don't buy music from iTunes because I don't think it's value. You know, you can get a flack convert it into mp3 and you you get that convenience but you get a much higher quality thing to keep at the end anyway so that's the problem I have it drives me batty I mean what the hell is going on why don't record companies want people to actually buy the thing that they're selling why is it that I feel like I if I want the thing I have to go and get it illegally so I can enjoy it, whereas I'm happy to spend money to actually buy the thing if they gave me the right way of doing it. So basically that's that's my feeling on the matter. Fair enough. Fair enough. Can, if anyone can answer me this question, I mean, it might be an exclusivity thing. Oh, yeah, well, people would really like the idea that uh, there was only 500 LPs available and uh, and if you buy one then you're a part of this exclusive club that only owns this album it's like well if that's if that's your argument then you just don't understand capitalism i'd say <laughs> you don't you don't understand how to actually make customers happy or you don't, you won't get customers, so you can't make them happy, or something like that. Anyway, in that particular example, it certainly seems like a political decision to release it only on the analog format. But as you say, out of however many copies they're made, there will be someone somewhere who will digitise that recording, and it's I don't know, maybe that's sceptical, but I, it's hard to imagine that it would not become digitally available through illegitimate means. So. But then we, we get into the into a kind of grey area where it's should it, you know is it even should it even be allowed that someone shouldn't be able to buy something because they don't have another thing? I know that's a really vague way of saying it, but I feel like I should be able to legitimately buy this thing, and I shouldn't have to spend hundreds of pounds on more audio equipment to listen to one record. And then, even if I had that, I'd want to make a digital copy so I could listen to it on my computer and on uh, my phone and this kind of thing. So I then have to go through a painful process of recording the whole thing, cutting it up, adding met metadata, uh, t turning it into a compressed format, and it's just... That's not what digital the digital era is about. Why, you know, make an LP version, that's that fine, but... Not for digital. If they're releasing it only on record, then maybe they don't want you to listen to it on your MP3 player or on your computer. Maybe they are only interested... Maybe they've made it specifically for people who do have record players. And if you don't have a record player, they've not. it's not for you. 
it's that's backwards though. Why release it? Why make it available? I mean, I got this through one of my one of my music blogs, which is digital. You know, yeah. I, you stream it online. So they've obviously submitted it to, to them, and they're happy for them to run that thing to get people interested in buying the record. So why they've made MP3 little previews so you can listen to it on their website? Why? It's a deliberate thing, isn't it, though? Because scarcity and inaccessibility helps support price. Helps support price in those kind of ways like that. If you if you believe you have an audience out there who have who have the money and are willing to spend the money, then they will spend more money for, for those kind of unique items which are inaccessible in any other way. Or, or they, they, they buy them anyway, is the way I see it. You should, they should do a Bandcamp approach. You know, it's not expensive or even difficult to set up a Bandcamp and put your digital tracks on there, and also offer the LP through that as well. Because or even that's if they prefer, you could have the, you have to buy the LP, but you will get a digital version. Exactly. That's that's exactly how it should work. You should be able to buy a digital version, and you should be able to buy the LP, and you get the digital version for free, so that you can listen to it straight away. And that's why, like. That's why I love Bandcamp because it's properly thought out the way that it works, and you know, I, I as listeners know, I'm very pro Bandcamp. I think it's a great platform for distributing and disseminating music. So that's not an argument either. Oh, it's too difficult to put in a, to to make a digital version accessible to people. It was probably a digital. It probably existed as a digital file before it was put on LP. Is the other thing. I don't. I can't imagine that they were mastering on tape. But you never know. Maybe they did. I don't know anything about this particular album. I wonder. I th I think that Lawrence English's uh, process might be slightly arcane, but still, you know, how hard is it for one person to make the digital version from an LP? And then everyone benefits. Anyone who wants to buy the digital version benefits. People can buy it legally. They don't feel like they have to go to a, a, a dodgy website to download something that they should be able to buy easily. Anyway, I, I, I can't say any more about it because I've basically said it there. But mm -hmm. what? Just please, please, record companies, please, artists, make your music available. Make it easy for, for people to buy, and then you won't have as many problems with piracy. It's that simple. Well, on the bombshell that, pir that pirating other people's music yourself takes effort, um, <laughs> shall we? That was the bombshell. Shall we head into the, the second item of the other, which is our summary of the year, audio podcast style. Yes. So you should at this point expect uh, deep insights and the various sort of things like this. It is worth holding on to the end though because the plunge is pretty good this year, pretty good this time around. But um, while we're in the, the other section, um, let, let's start with uh, so some of the picks of the year. Obviously, um, Logic Pro Logic Pro X arrived. It actually arrived. The Logic release happened. <laughs> the long foretold Logic release happened. I think we've added this just uh, because it's notable. I mean, Logic Pro X is okay. It's fine. It does the job. If you're a Logic user and you like Logic, Logic Pro X is fine. But I think it was just the fact that we've been waiting so long. I mean, we were talking about this on the audio podcast back in probably 2011 
or whenever Final Cut Pro 10 was released and we were like, ooh, does that mean that Logic Pro X will come soon? Uh, no, two years. <laughs> but it has been released, so uh, that that makes it clearly eligible for being a significant story this year. Uh, we've still got the Mac Pro stuff to wait for, though, haven't we? Yeah. We had a Pro Tools... Mm. Pro Tools ran an update as well in the Pro Tools 11. It angered some. Caused Did we spoke to Frank Bree about that, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> it angered well. some, caused others to rejoice. It made a whole load of uh, blue-faced hardware surplus. Oh, have we lost Scott? Oh, email me back. <laughs> Scott, are you there? Are you there, Scott? Okay, we've we've lost Scott midstream there. Um, and we were talking about Pro Tools 11 and gonna, angered people and upset people and da da da. And you've already mentioned that Mac Pro was also something that's been long on the horizon but never confirmed and that was talked about this year, February and then later is linked on that. And it should be being released um, very soon. I think it should be released maybe, who knows, maybe this week, maybe next, not not this week, it's Friday so it's not going to happen today. Uh, but maybe next week. Though, yeah, and they're going to run out of time otherwise, so next week for a Mac Pro. I think it's a very interesting looking computer. I don't really have a, any need for old ports or the legacy hardware or anything like that. Thunderbolt, fine. Firewire, you can make that from Thunderbolt, fine. USB, looks like a little waste paper bin. That's fine, I like that. It, it's, it's a laptop without a screen, isn't it? Like, uh, and a keyboard <laughs> and a trackpad. It, it, it's a laptop without a screen, a keyboard, a trackpad, and with very little, and without the kind of consideration of having of, of the mobility behind it. I, I, I'm, I'm not sure, to be honest. I, I understand the form where the form factor is coming from. I buy that. I kind of get it entirely, but I just, I, I don't, I don't know if this is the direction we really, we really want kind of main computers to go in if they're. You know I mean, I, I don't understand who's going to buy that in preference to a Mac Pro. I guess is the problem. A Mac Mini, you mean? Well, no, like like a like a MacBook. Pro. MacBook Pro. Okay. So like that. I just don't. Well, I, I have to. I'm going to counter your argument, and I'm going to say the new Mac Pro is an important release for Apple because it st it shows that Apple they've made a huge effort to make brand new design of computer to reconceptualize this type of computer. And I think it's that's important to show that they're still interested in the desktop space, they're still interested in the Mac space, and they're still interested in innovating in computer design. Which, I mean, to be honest. And the laptops, there's not much else they could really do unless they wanted to go for a convertible type thing like some of the new Windows 8 laptops that have come out. But I think it's an important release for Apple. And you know what? I'm interested in it. Because the problem with the big old Mac Pro, the old one, is that it's huge. It's big, it's heavy, and most people don't need the card slots. Most people don't need all of the gubbins inside it. As long as you can upgrade the RAM and you've got enough ports to plug in big screens, audio interfaces, video interfaces, and peripherals, I think 
it'll do well. I think that there'll be enough people out there who will get one. I, I understand what you're saying, but I, the thing I don't get is I don't. You say that most people don't need don't, don't need the slots. You know, what I mean, don't don't need to be able to get into like the PCI Express slots. They don't need to be able to like mount multiple internal hard drives, all that sort of stuff. Right? I I understand that entirely. I don't understand what per. I don't understand the cat. I don't believe that the category of people exists who don't require those things, and don't find their needs being met by a a, a MacBook Pro or an iMac. But remember that Mac Pro has what is it five or six Thunderbolt ports on it? That's important if you're connecting lots of screens together. I think what also it'll have is an amazing graphics card, which will allow uh, graphic designers, video people, uh, the power they need to drive the next generation of screens, 4K screens and multiple of them. So I think there is a particular slither of the market, and it just happens that it'll work well for music too. To be honest, though, the Mac Mini works very well for music as well, because I have one, and it's my studio computer. And when we talk about laptop and desktop, it is nice when you have a studio, it's nice to have a system in place that doesn't move, that you don't have to sit down and plug everything in again. It's just ready to roll. You press the on button, and you've got your studio there. So that's why the Mac Pro has some market beyond just being a screenless MacBook Pro. Hmm. Maybe. I'm Sam sure. is suspiciously quiet here. I don't know if he uh, <laughs> wants to get involved. Um, no, not really. Although I think that's a good point that you make about the desktop computer in the studio. And yeah, today I've had to re-plug everything in my little booth here, and that's pain in the ass, really. It, it is nice, isn't it? But I, I've been saying a lot of like, you know, for installs I've been doing in studios. I'm saying for, I, I can't recall the last time I did one where somebody put a, put a computer in and they didn't base it around a laptop-based system because. With a laptop, yeah, you can take it away, but if its sole purpose is that, then, you know I mean, you just, at the end of the day, you just take the whole computer away with you. There's no worrying about it having to be backed up and things like that. And it, in my mind, it's really only people who are very concerned about things being stolen in maybe the education environment is probably a great example here, you know, where there's a concern that the item is likely to be nicked and therefore having a massive box which is locked in a cabinet and chained to a radiator or something like that. It's much better than a laptop, which is very easy to walk, very easy to walk away with. But I just, I don't get it. Because the, the other, if I take it from the positive side as well, because that's a negative feature, but from the positive point of view, the great feature of laptops, I always think, is, you know, they come with, you know, come with a battery, you know, the kind of battery in them, which is a great kind of uninterruptible power supply. So if there's a problem with the, you know, if there's a problem with the power, you don't, you know, you don't lose what you were doing. You your laptop will just carry on. It will like okay, the recording will probably stop as all the rest of the hardware powers down, but at least mm -hmm. your laptop won't. And, and the re recording will get interrupted because the audio interface will shut down, and it will say audio error. Blah, blah, blah. So, but if with that, if you're recording into something sensible, there will be the data that you got up to that point retrievable, even if it's a bit yeah. mangled. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's true, but. That's a very specific thing. That has never happened to me. I've never been working on something and then a power cut has wiped the studio out. But I have been working on a laptop in when power cuts have happened and you know everything goes dark but the screen's still on. That you know maybe I haven't had the exact experience of in the middle of a recording session, but the uninterruptible power supply aspect is 
But then, valid, if you're a proper studio, you'd have a UPS anyway, which would feed the whole studio, so that at least you'd know that the power has gone out, but everything's still running. You can stop, you can save, you can shut everything down, or if you know you've got a bit of time left on the UPS, you can kind of keep running it. So, I don't know. We're getting into pretty esoteric uh, kind of areas here in regards to basically the Mac Pro is going to be released <laughs> probably next week, and I think it'll do well. I think it's an interesting design. It reminds me of the old Cube, the G4 Cube, which is a computer which I think I've always kind of wanted to have, even though it would be completely useless to have one these days. But it's that kind of thing, and let's see how it does, eh? Let's see how it does. I feel the same about the Angle Poise um, iMac as well. Oh, if they could bring that, that was a genius design. If they could bring that back, I think that would be that. That'd be the next level for, because now everything's in that thing, isn't it? Everything's behind the screen anyway. So why not just give it a very heavy base and a bit more of a flexible screen? Exactly. Awesome. It would be but awesome. this was supposed to be a story of the year review of the past twelve <laughs> months thing. So should we should we get back to that? Yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Um, so this was twenty thirteen, and that was the year that MIDI turned thirty years old. Happy oh, birthday, MIDI. Happy birthday, Betty! <laughs> um, that's that. We've yeah, we've mentioned it enough times. Um, unless people want to go into these like that, I don't think that's necessary. No, no, no. Carry on, carry on. The thing that I wanted. The to... great thing about MIDI is dot dot dot. No, we we don't have to. But all all we can say is that the majority of the audio podcasts are pro MIDI, pro MIDI. Scott keeps quiet. I don't know. I always forget which side. We're not talking about that, are we? Um, the other thing I mentioned last week is the audio data API, the Mozilla one, um, has been has, has bowed out of the web audio game, my friend here, which is this actually a kind of plundery post. This is from November. Um, David Humphrey, who's one of the developers behind the Mozilla. Audio Data API has written a post about its life, death, and birth, and not in that order. Yeah. Anyway, if you're interested in such things, have a look. I think it's a well-written thing, and he kind of talks about, even though it's now been removed from Firefox in favor of the more standard um, specification. I don't know, is it clustered as that yet? I don't know. But how he still sees it as a successful project that happens. So yeah, there you go. That was from this year. Fantastic. Hey. So I believe we've come to the end of the other section. We've come to Hooray. the And that means one thing. It means one thing. <sighs> it's plunder time. So the plunder, as you would expect, has an incredibly tenuous connection to the audio podcast, but has a very strong connection to the festivity of the season. Um, there we go. Apart from the much. last one. The last one is a bit... The last one is because these, because the one before it was something else, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get it. So first of all, I don't know if you had the opportunity to enjoy it or not, but uh, Patrick Stewart, joined by the rest of the cast of The Next Generation, uh, have uh, there is a lovely mashup of them singing "Let It Snow," which is awesome. It's a beautiful made mashup. Uh, I have to say, I saw this linked on Facebook for the last week, and I didn't listen to it. And I listened to it today, and I'm like, "Yeah, it's all right. 
I'm like, ah, it's okay. There's a lot, you know, a lot of a lot of effort must have gone into making it, but I don't have to hit watch it again. I'm okay. <laughs> I've watched it three times this week, actually. So there you go. Um, <laughs> T Earl Grey part. Shut up, Wesley. There's more plunder of the Christmas theme, which is 30 Christmas songs in 60 seconds. I think you posted this one, Scott. Have you seen that one? That one is actually that's that's pretty pretty great. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I seen as it said in 60 seconds, I thought I'd give it the time. It's all right. It's nice that it's a two-minute video, though. Well, yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) It's like minute physics. But it does have it does have a countdown and a count up of songs as it goes along. So. It must happen within a within a minute. Yep, it just has a bit of a prelude and a little bit of a plug on the end. So and, you can download it, it for play, free. Yeah, and that's true. And and it's not that he plays all of them really really quickly. He just plays a line out of all of out of them all and kind of links them all together. I think it, it's like a, a performative mashup. It's yes. like he's just created a mashup and then played the mashup on his guitar. Um, the last one is, uh, is this really Christmassy? I think this is here because it's effectively linked in some way to the previous one. But it's basically Wagner's 15-hour ring cycle in two and a half minutes. Um, I think, well, I, I, I posted this one um, again last Saturday, I think, or quite a while ago. Um, not really considering that it would be a Christmassy show and it's gone on the end because it's the oldest plunder item. I just thought it was good. Two and a half minutes for the ring cycle. That's good, that. <laughs> but then, it, what it is, let's explain. This isn't the whole music compressed into two and a half minutes. It's basically a summary of the story. Yes. Uh, but this is this is a, a good. It was used as an advert to get people to go to see the Ring Cycle somewhere. So it's a good advert for that. Did anyone notice the similarity between some of the some of the themes in the Ring Cycle and Lord of the Rings? There's a um, ring, there's a mountain, and there's lots of other stuff which I, I was just like, hey, that sounds kind of a bit like uh, it's, it hasn't been lifted from Lord of the Rings because I'm, I'm pretty sure this came first. <laughs> so um, Lord of the Rings might have lifted some ideas from Wagner's Ring Cycle. <laughs> I don't know if you guys agree. I, I, I do agree. I think that, that, that some sort of thematic lifting may have occurred um, at some point in in the history of storytelling there, yes. Well, <laughs> on the bombshell that artists borrow from other artists, <gasps> we, uh, we we draw to the end of the, the other section. No? Indeed, and... We, we get to the end of the show, and, essentially, as the summary. And, and basically, we have come to the end of the show. Thank you for listening, everyone. Um... Well, uh, when will we be back? Will we be back in January, do you think? Yes. I think we can manage January, yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we will be back in January. There, if, if if people have any input into what they like about the show or what they don't, it's pro- this is probably a good spot to send some, because I suspect there'll be a... You know, if we do come back in January... Well, we will come back in January, I hope, and if we do, we'll have to rearrange sort of things, won't we? So it's not you know, there, there will be discussion about what we like, what we don't like, things like that. So please, all the details to get in contact with us are at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. You should go and check, you know, go check that stuff out. Send us an email, Facebook, Twitter, or something like that. Let us know what people what people like, what people don't like about things. And we're trying, you know, 
we'll try and become a little more organized ourselves and kind of get some sort of fixed process again, which makes it easier for us to do things, doesn't it? There we go. Adam, Adam has disappeared. Adam has gone. I heard the doorbell go as you were speaking. I think he's taking delivery of something there. Taking um, delivery of some festive cheer. <laughs> I don't know. Do we drag it out till he gets back? I don't. Or do we just say goodbye? Well, you know, I, I, here at the Audio Podcast, we'd like to wish you and yours a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. I've been a, I'm, I have been Scott Hewitt, and I've had a great 2013 with the Audio Podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Sam, go slowly and drag it out. We're Adam here. Um, hello. Um, thank you for listening. I am and have been and will continue to be Samuel Freeman. I, I too enjoy audio podcasting for The Audio Podcast, whose website can be found at theaudiopodcast.co.uk. Sam, Sam, it's all right. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> Thanks for dragging it out. I uh, just had to go and get a delivery down at the door. Badly timed. Um, so I guess we're doing the wrap-up. Uh, I've been Adam Yanch. I'd like to wish everyone a happy Christmas and a happy New Year. And, ooh, the audio podcast will hopefully return in January. Bye. 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 Bye.